Welcome to Make Me Your Voice with Pastor David Bartowell. These messages are intended to deepen your faith and trust in a living God who speaks to us with hope and reason. Today's message comes to us from the Gate Christian Bible Church in Orange County, California. Let's talk about Joseph, who was falsely accused. Have you ever been falsely accused of something? Or do you know someone who has? It hurts, especially when they were supposed to be your friends. And Joseph was falsely accused by his brothers and also by his boss's wife. Most of Joseph's life was one of betrayal, one betrayal after another. But Joseph kept his eyes on the prize. He knew God would come through. It took 13 years for God to come through, but Joseph was finally fully vindicated before all deceived. Today, we're in part four of my sermon series, Get Ready for a Breakthrough. We're going to talk about the vindication. Remember, this series is based on this verse. Read it with me, Habakkuk 1.5. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed, for I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. And that something sometimes is not what we expect. But it always includes vindication for his people, whether on this side of heaven or the next. We've been through a lot this past year. But get ready for the vindication. The ultimate breakthrough is a vindication. Look at what God says. Read it with me in Romans. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. God does way better at vengeance than we do. God is just. And in Psalm 135, the psalmist writes, read it with me, for the Lord will vindicate his people, not might, will. God is a God of love. He's a God of justice, and evil always is judged. So let's look at Joseph's vindication, okay? Let's go through this story together. It's an incredible story. First, Joseph was falsely accused and imprisoned. The story of Joseph begins in Genesis 37. Joseph was the second youngest of Jacob's sons, whose Jacob's name was changed to Israel, and the youngest being Benjamin. So Joseph and Benjamin were born from Rachel, the wife who could not bear children at first. So therefore, Joseph and Benjamin became Jacob's, Israel's, dearest children, especially Joseph, whom his father gave a special coat. This made the other brothers jealous. We'll talk more about that part of the story later, but let's pick up the story in Genesis 39. If you grab your Bibles and turn there, we're going to go through that part. And this is when Joseph was living in Egypt. Joseph became successful in Egypt because the Lord was with him. Potiphar, an Egyptian officer of Pharaoh, took Joseph into his house as his personal servant. He worked his way up to becoming the overseer of Potiphar's house. He put him in charge of everything he owned. And on account of Joseph, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house and his field. So we pick up the story there. Let's turn to Genesis 39, and we'll start in verse 6. It says, He, Potiphar, left everything 
he owned in Joseph's charge. And with him there, he did not concern himself with anything except the food which he ate. So Joseph was taken care of, God provided. Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. That can be well-built and handsome. It came about after these events that his master's wife, Sopotiphar's master's wife, looked at Joseph with desire. And she said to him, lie with me or come to bed with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, behold, my master, he doesn't concern himself with anything in this house. He's put me in charge of all that he owns. There's no one greater in the house than I. And he has withheld nothing from me except you, his wife. You are his wife. How can I do this great evil and sin against God? As she spoke to Joseph day after day after day after day, tempting him, he did not listen. He did not go to bed with her. Now it happened one day that he went into the house to do his work and no one was in there. And that's when she saw the opportunity. She caught him by his coat and said, come to bed with me. And he left his coat and ran out the house and fled. And when she saw that he left her there in humiliation, basically, she called to the men of her household and said to them, see, this person, he has brought this Hebrew to us to make sport of us or to toy with us or to play around with me. He came into me and he came to go to bed with me, but I screamed. You see the false accusation? Verse 15, when he heard that I raised my voice and screamed, he went running outside and he left his coat here, the evidence, until his master came home. And then she spoke to him with these words, the Hebrew slave whom you brought to us came into me to fool around with me. And I raised my voice and screamed because I didn't want to do it. And he left his coat and ran outside. Now, obviously, that's a made-up story because this woman was in a powerful position. And when powerful people don't get their way, guess what they do? They make up stories. I like the way the New Living Translation translates those two verses in Genesis 39, 17, 3. says, That Hebrew slave you brought into our house tried to come in and fool around with me. But when I screamed, he ran outside leaving his cloak with me. Now, that's not what happened, is it? No. Joseph, he tried to do the right thing, but it backfired. At least, that's how it looks. But there's those who will say then, see, why should I do the right thing? It never pays off. Everyone else is cheating and lying and fooling around, and they get away with it. Three words. No, they won't. Unless someone repents and receives God's forgiveness by placing his or her faith in Jesus Christ, that person will receive judgment. God will take vengeance. The evil that is running rampant in our world, in our country, in our government, will not go unjudged. God will take vengeance. I pray that it will be now on this side of heaven. I pray that all evil will be exposed. I pray that those who are harming this country and God's people by making up stories will be judged. But as God says to those who are under the altar in heaven in Revelation, just a little while longer, God's timing is not our timing. 
Joseph, he was tempted day after day after day, and he did not fall into temptation. Why? Two reasons. First, he didn't want to sin against God. That's the greatest reason. Second, he did not want to take what was not his. Everything in the house was his, except his boss's wife. See, adultery is taking what's not yours. But Joseph did the right thing, and then this happens to Joseph. So we pick up in verse 19 of chapter 39. When his master heard the words of his wife, she said, this is what your slave did to me. His anger burned. So Joseph's master took him and put him into jail, the place where the king's prisoners are confined, and he was in jail. But the Lord, here's a great verse, but the Lord was with Joseph in jail. And the Lord extended kindness to him and gave him favor in the sight of the chief jailer. See, Joseph did the right thing, and God blessed him, albeit in prison. It says the chief jailer's committed to Joseph, and he made him in charge of all the prisoners. See, Joseph is a natural-born leader, and leaders want to lead others in attempting to do the right thing. So whatever is done in there was responsible. And then verse 23, the chief jailer did not supervise anything under Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made prosper. God always provides, even in prison. When you do the right thing, you keep doing the right thing because you live for God. Secondly, Joseph was betrayed by his brothers and friend. Joseph's story is filled with multiple vindications because he was betrayed multiple times. The first was by his own brothers. Joseph was a dreamer. God spoke to Joseph in dreams. Joseph was also very naive. He trusted everyone. My friend once told me, trust in the Lord. Everyone else is suspect. <laughs> Here's what he's trying to say. Trust is earned. See, Joseph was going to find that his brothers were untrustworthy. The icing on the cake was the day Joseph decided to share his dream with his brothers. So now let's go back two chapters to chapter 37 in Genesis. Let's see what happens. Verse 1 of chapter 37, Genesis. Jacob, Israel, lived in the land where his father had sojourned in the land of Canaan. They were living in the promised land. And Joseph was 17 years old. And in verse 3, Israel loved Joseph more than all his sons because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a multicolored coat. His brothers saw this and they hated Joseph. Joseph had a dream and he went to tell his brothers and they hated him more. He said to them, please listen to my dream. We were all out in the field binding sheaves. And look, my sheaf rose up taller than yours. And yours gathered around and bowed down to me. Then his brothers said to him, are you actually going to reign over us? Are you going to rule over us, Joseph? And they hated him even more. And then Joseph had another dream. And he went to tell his brothers. He says, look, I had another dream. 
The sun and the moon and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. The sun, okay, that's Jacob. The moon is his wife. And the 11 stars were bowing down to me, the other kids. And by the way, Revelation 12, 1, that's why I believe when it's talking about the woman and it talks about the moon and the 12 stars, I believe it's talking about Israel. But what happens? He related this to his father and his brothers, and then his father rebuked him and said, what are you talking about? Are I and your mother going to bow down to you now, Joseph? And his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept Joseph's words in his mind. If you know the story, all that comes true. But here's the thing. Joseph spilled the beans twice. What he said was true. It would happen. But what he lacked was wisdom. See, truth needs to be mixed with wisdom. But what happened next is the betrayal of all betrayal. His own brothers set out to kill him. Genesis 37 verse 20. Come now, let's kill Joseph and throw him into one of those cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see about his dreams. So they threw him in there and left him to die. Joseph was 17 years old at the time. But Judah, Jacob's fourth oldest son, intervened. And he talked the brothers into selling Joseph instead of killing him. So he talked him into selling Joseph to some Ishmaelite traders that were walking by. These were the descendants of Ishmael, who was Abraham's son with Hagar, who became the father of the Arabic nation. So they were a hostile enemy. Do we give credit to Judah? Hey, thanks, Judah, for selling your brother into slavery and not letting him die. Wow, you get a prize. But what we can do is we can admit that even in this betrayal, God is in control. You see, God used Judah to send Joseph to Egypt, where his entire family would eventually move to Egypt, which would set into motion the prophecy that God gave to Abraham 300 years earlier. Look what God says to Abraham 300 years before this happens. God said to Abraham, Know for certain, your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, where they will be enslaved and oppressed 400 years. God told Abraham that Israel was going to go into Egypt, the foreign land, and they would eventually be enslaved for 400 years. But that would set into motion the great exodus of Israel. The picture in today might lead to the deliverance of tomorrow. Joseph's life was filled with betrayal. While Joseph was in prison for being falsely accused of sleeping with Potiphar's wife, he became friends with a chief cupbearer and the chief baker. And one night, both of them had the same dream that they could not interpret. So they shared the dream with Joseph. And Joseph interpreted the dream. And in short, the dream meant that the cupbearer would be set free, but the baker would be toast. Joseph asked the cupbearer to remember him when he got out. All that happened. But the cupbearer forgot about Joseph. Look at Genesis 40. The chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph. He forgot about him. How can you forget about the one person in prison who helps you? Again, it's God's plan. Two more years. 
Joseph had to spend in prison because his friend forgot about him. But God never forgot about him. See, Joseph's life was filled with betrayal and false accusations. But he always tried to do the right thing. But here's the thing. Someone like Joseph, wouldn't it be that we would say, you know what? Yeah, you've earned it. Play the victim card. But Joseph didn't do that. We'll see that God is in control of everything, even the betrayals. Third, Joseph was vindicated for all to see. The story ends with vindication. For the believer, the story ends with vindication, whether it's on this side of heaven or the other. In Joseph's case, it was for all to see. As God would have it, not luck, but God would have it, Pharaoh dreamed. The leader of Egypt had a dream, a very perplexing dream. No one in his kingdom could interpret it. Then guess whose memory comes back? The cupbearer, two years later. He tells Pharaoh, oh, there's this guy named Joseph. He helped me. He interpreted a dream. He calls Joseph out, and Pharaoh's dream was about Egypt's future. It was going to be a worldwide famine that was imminent. Joseph interpreted the dream and also encouraged Pharaoh to get ready by putting food aside and putting someone in charge who could start saving the food in storehouses to be distributed throughout Egypt. So let's go to Genesis 41, starting in verse 39, chapter 41, verse 39. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has informed you of all this, Joseph, there's no one as discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my whole house, and you will command my people. Only in the throne will I be greater than you, Joseph. Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took off his ring, and he put it on Joseph's hand, and he clothed him with royal garments, and put a gold necklace around his neck. He had him ride in his second chariot, and they proclaimed before him, Bow the knee, and he set him over all the land of Egypt. And moreover, Pharaoh said to Joseph, Though I am Pharaoh, without your permission, no one shall raise his hand or foot in the land of Egypt. Wow. So Joseph, his whole 13-year experience, now he's standing up as the leader, only second to Pharaoh. Joseph was as good as dead, but God raised him up. And by the way, Joseph is a type of Christ. And what I mean by that, you'll see Jesus Christ throughout the life of Joseph, especially how Joseph forgives his brothers and how he's in prison and going to die in prison and God raised him up to the highest in the land. Joseph was 30 years old now when he became ruler of Egypt. How old was he when he was put in that cistern and sent in the Ishmaelites? 17. 13 years of turmoil, of betrayal, of false accusations. And now he's fully vindicated. You know the rest of the story. If not, you can read it. But Joseph's family moves to Egypt where they were saved by Joseph. And eventually they were enslaved later after Joseph died by a different Pharaoh who didn't know Joseph. Joseph even forgave his brothers. And we now come to the final chapter of Genesis chapter 50. Jacob 
Israel has now died. The father has died. And it's in this chapter that Joseph says one of the most profound statements that I believe in the whole Bible about God's sovereignty and provision. And here's the buildup. So turn to chapter 50 in your Bible. Genesis chapter 50, starting in verse 15. So when Joseph's brothers saw that their father had died, they said, what if Joseph bears a grudge against us and pays us back in full for the wrong which we had to them? So they finally get to the point where they realize they were wrong, which is good. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father charged before he died. He said, thus you shall say to Joseph, please forgive us, I beg you, the sin of your brothers, for they did you wrong. And now, please forgive the sin of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Joseph had a really soft heart for God. And then his brothers also came and fell before him and said, Behold, where are your servants? But Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid. Am I in God's place? So he's basically saying, Am I God? I'm not God. Now, Consider that all that happened to Joseph, Joseph never forgot that he wasn't God. There is a God. It wasn't him. He said, I'm not God. God's in control. And the next statement that comes out of his mouth, you should always remember. It should be at the center of your theology. Because no matter what happens, good or bad, God is on the throne and he's in the center of your life. This is what he says. Genesis 50, verse 20. You intended to harm me, but God turned it all for good. He put me in this position so I could save many people. Wow. He's saying, you did me wrong. I've been through 13 years of hell. But what Satan meant for evil, God turned around for good. That's the breakthrough. That's the vindication, and that's truth mixed with wisdom. Because when you're falsely accused, when you're betrayed, when you're humiliated, when you're persecuted, when you're mocked, remember this, evil will not prevail. What was meant for evil will turn out for good. You will be vindicated. It's your life story, and God's not done writing it yet. If I were you, Hand over the pen. Let him write it. As Joseph said, I'm not God. God is good. And he always does what is good. And we will, God's people, will always be vindicated, whether it be on this side of heaven or the next. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, that you are writing our story. You're writing our story, and we give you the pen. And it's very hard to give up the pen. But I know, Lord, that the last chapter is always the best chapter. What you have for your church, what you have for your people, what Satan meant for evil, you will turn around for good, for the saving of many lives. Many lives will be saved because of what's happening now. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor David Bartowell's message reminds us that God speaks to us with hope and reason so that we can be His voice in this world. Please join us again for Make Me Your Voice, a ministry of the Gate Christian Bible Church in Orange County, California. 
We would love to have you join us for a Sunday service. For more information or to find our location, please visit thegatecbc.com. Hey,